Hello, I'm John Bigger, and this is a special edition of Little Bigger Anarchism. This is a postcard from the London Anarchist Book Fair on Saturday, September the 17th. Uh, me and my buddy Shane Little headed down on the early bus to London uh, to take a look at the book fair. And we managed to get a few interviews while we were there. Not as many as we would like, so we can't say that this is some kind of definitive account. Uh, we didn't talk to everybody, um, but what we wanted to do was just get a few interviews to uh, share with you um, with some of the people that we met there. So enjoy this. Uh, consider it our postcard from the Anarchist Book Fair. Okay, we found ourselves at Freedom Bookshop and we've got uh, Zosha Brom here and you have organised the whole book fair. Not by myself. That's ah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> this is the whole collective uh, uh, behind it, so uh, it wasn't me singing. <laughs> <laughs> Doing this. It would be impossible, it's a too large event. Sure. Yeah. How do you feel it's going? Uh, I mean, it's, it's only one o'clock, uh, <laughs> so we'll see, but I think it's going, uh, it's going well. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, similarly to last year, this will be uh, London Anarchist Book Fair without uh, internal fight. Uh, and this is uh, our aim to introduce that uh, new traditional <laughs> pink, uh, movement uh, building uh, event rather than movements, movement splitting event. Hmm. Um, so far, I think it goes pretty smoothly and uh, it's packed. Like, even the workshop at 11.30 was absolutely packed. Yeah. So what's going on? What's going on here? You say the workshop. What, what's happening at Freedom? Uh, so at Freedom we have uh, Zine Fair, which you can see downstairs. Uh, there's uh, the proper book fair at uh, Bishop's Gate Institute, and uh, workshops uh, are spread between Toynbee Hall and uh, Whitechapel Gallery. It's a very nice setup of uh, some of the most historic uh, venues in, uh, mm. in East London, uh, which. Somehow, and I still cannot believe it, we managed to get for free every single one of them. Oh, wow. so, um, uh, so, yeah, we are quite uh, pleased with this. And uh, uh, one of the reasons why we don't uh, uh, want to have a fight is that uh, I plan to try to make a booking of the same venue on Tuesday oh, next yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, oh, so you're carrying on to uh, do, do one next year? This will be my present for the, uh, for the collective. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, I manage to do this so. I think it's got a good feel so far. Yeah, it does. Yeah, um, yeah. How? Did, I mean, was there anything you did to organise to try and mitigate? Because there was kind of like little bickerings every. Seemed like every year, but like I haven't heard anything in the last couple of years. Is it kind of pure luck? Or? Uh, to be honest, uh, I think uh, this is this is because uh, basically I think it's a cultural change. Okay. Uh, mm. Because. Uh, uh, there is the, basically the number of uh, drunk punks is drastically reduced right. in the new yeah. generation, but also in terms of uh, getting people on board. Because uh, I, I come from mm. uh, basically my background uh, is, is, uh, is squatting yeah, and DIY uh, culture, and I think it really helps because 
like it, first of all, it helps with organizing such events because uh, we have a very big pool of people who are able to do everything from driving to being volunteer coordinator, yes. Uh, and we are also very used to doing things for uh, pretty much no budget. Mm. Um, but also, I think that uh, the more people you you involve in uh, such events, the the less likely uh, there is gonna be a fight or uh, because the more people have a mm. stake in the event or yeah. mates have stake in the event, like you know, you're not gonna come and kick off on an event your mate is organizing. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? So I think this very simple psychological uh, mechanism works uh, works very well. Um, but yeah, I mean. We have uh, the collective uh, who basically dealt with the logistics. It's quite small, but in terms of uh, the people who are actually managing this event today, this is uh, several dozen uh, uh, people who are doing this for free, and, uh, and you know they just uh, they donated a day to to, to making sure it uh, it all runs uh, smoothly. Hmm. And have you found that? Sorry, this is my first book fair in London for quite a while actually, since uh, since the last collective was was organized. And, then, and yeah, the the tables seem to be more diverse actually with the groups and everything. Is that something that's kind of grown over the last couple of years? Yes, but I wouldn't slag off the the old collective. For no, this no, because, for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, this basically, I think the. Uh, the, the social structure of anarchism changes, and so especially, I mean, as someone who, I'm 40, yes, and so recently I went to a squad party for the first time since the beginning of uh, of pandemic, and it was really uh, nice to see that uh, the the people who even the people who organized it and the squatters were very diverse. Like mm. it wasn't only mm. white kids uh, who came to London to to study, like the and everyone who was involved and also the performers. Everything was uh, like basically reflected the community of London much uh, much better than what our generation would uh, see in the anarchist movement. So I think this is a basically organic change, okay. uh, yeah. uh, which comes from the generation of uh, of kids. Like if you are a kid from London, you went to school for, uh, with people from all over the world, you mm. know, so it's completely yeah. natural for you. And also people with... Uh, who are, uh, you know, have different sexualities and genders, mm. and uh, it's completely normal and natural for kids. And I think this is reflected in the mm. the movement. It will just get bigger and bigger, yeah, yeah. regardless of what class reductionism fraction of anarchism mm. right. would like to claim. So, so this is the second book fair you've been involved with heavily, I think. I mean, this is the third book fair we are doing. Uh, we are I organizing, see. but the first one was fully online because it was in oh, twenty twenty. <laughs> Uh, I just wonder if there's something about book fairs that you think is important because obviously you put a lot of time and effort into it. So what is it about? Uh, I think it's a very good uh, uh, promotional machine for the anarchist movement, and mm. it shows us in a very good light. If we don't do all these disgraceful things, we sometimes <laughs> do. Uh, but mostly, uh, I mean, we call it Anarchist Christmas for a reason. It's a networking event, mm. uh, and London Anarchist Book Fair, uh, being the first one uh, wor uh, worldwide, is actually quite important. Like I mm. remember, you know, even when I was living in po uh, Poland, people were mm. coming to London for the Anarchist Book Fair. Or the Greeks would come. You know, it's. Mm. Uh, I think we are still not not on this stage, mostly because uh, the collective is really broke. Yeah. And it's kind of polite to offer people uh, money for tickets, but I think uh, within the next uh, two or three years we'll get to the stage when we'll be like actively inviting people from mm. uh, uh, outside of uh, UK to come. Yeah, well, I think it's been a great day so far. And uh, before we we let you go, as it were, I want to talk to you about Freedom uh, News, Freedom Newspaper, because you've been editing that for 
five years and you're now kind of stepping down from the editor role. Yes. Uh, so what's it been like to edit Freedom for five years? Uh, it was quite an adventure. I learned a lot of things. Uh, there's a lot of things I'm really proud of, uh, of achieving, especially uh, in terms of uh, basically... Uh, I'm very proud of uh, two things, mostly. <laughs> One is um, uh, the, uh, the Freedom's role uh, in the f uh, formation of the mutual uh, COVID Mutual Aid Network, mm. which was triggered by uh, Articulate Freedom. And another one is uh, creating very friendly environment uh, in our editorial uh, group. I think this mm. is very, uh, very important and... Uh, uh, Basically, I think uh, freedom will be better off after I leave. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, yeah. it is uh, quite a big uh, progress. We had a uh, very big uh, uh, increase in uh, readership. Mm. Uh, and I think the general uh, uh, influence in the in the movement. Um, yeah. uh, but this is not necessarily my editorial skills as much as just updating it every day because this is how you, <laughs> uh, yeah. you make uh, websites uh, alive. Um, I feel a bit sorry for leaving, but I think it's time because it's also it's a dreadful, uh, dreadfully uh, time-consuming uh, yeah. task, which uh, uh, you know you just get rewarded in uh, uh, in occasional pints and praises. <laughs> for, so um, uh, and also it's not um, very easy to to be this uh, public yeah. kind of known person. For uh, on many uh, levels, including uh, you know finding a job and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and all these things, uh, but uh, I think yeah, I made a lot of friends. I'm definitely I'm staying in Freedom Collective. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of taking a little break, um, but uh, I'll find uh, myself something useful to do after this. I can't believe it's been five years, really, and uh, you know, obviously you've been editing me all that time. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> but you were the easy one. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. I always found it interesting because um, I, I found you very straightforward as an editor, and um, I knew that if you told me that I needed to change something, you had a really good reason for it. I think uh, I'm probably more uh, obsessed with fact checking of uh, many yes. people, <laughs> but I think it's important because uh, basically it really annoys me when uh, I left. Uh, uh, it's not getting the facts right because yeah. I think facts uh, work to our advantage and it's the right who needs to lie, not, not yeah. us. So it really annoys me if, uh, when this happens. Um, we've got a good record, I think, haven't we, on, on we facts. Have, yeah. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think we're what we're doing is providing an anarchist take on things. And, and you know, I mean, that's, that's the role for freedom for yeah. me, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think the editorial team kind of generally just supports each other in, in achieving that. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know that it's a very friendly thing. So. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it's great as well, like, you know, Freedom being the longest running anarchist periodical in the world. Like, it's, oh, it's great. It like, opens the doors to every squad in Europe. Right, there you go, yeah. <laughs> because there you go, it's, uh, in terms of, like, I don't uh, have to worry about the accommodation when I come to There's <laughs> actual physical copies of Freedom in Bishopsgate Institute from 1892, which I just... Yeah, but you can... Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> you can knock the door of the uh, squad in, in Greece and be like, hey, I'm freedom editor, and we're like, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this was the benefit. That's fantastic. This, yes. Even after some of the things we wrote about Corbyn, which got us a little bit of negativity. Because they read freedom. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, it's really interesting. And um, let's hope the rest of the day... 
goes really well and uh, you've earned a little bit of a rest from freedom, I think. Yes, uh, I'm going for a holiday after this and then I'll figure out what I'm uh, going to do. Brilliant, thank you. Thanks. So now we're here with Jim Donahue and Jim, who are you here with today and who are you representing? Uh, today we're doing stall for Anarchist Studies, the academic journal, and anarchiststudies.blog, which is a online publishing outlet that's associated with the journal. And you also did your PhD at Loughborough, so uh, that's, that's where we met, wasn't it? That's right. Um, was there from 2011 to... I didn't quite finish until 2016. Sometimes it just takes a bit longer, right, John? <laughs> it does. And that's okay. <laughs> You're actually right? <laughs> <laughs> the same club, yeah. It takes as long as it takes, doesn't it? Just didn't want to leave. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I've now escaped. I've via Queen's University, and I work at Ulster University up in Coleraine. Um, and we're slowly but surely trying to uh, recreate an anarchist studies group there. So there's oh, cool. me and a couple of other colleagues have found my next door neighbour is an emeritus professor called Richard Eakins, who has come out recently as a Quaker anarchist. Oh, wow. So we have some interesting okay. corridor chats and we've now got two PhD students with us doing okay. anarchist stuff as well. So we're starting to get a little small club together. And your personal expertise is in punk, which we can talk about in a little, a little while, hopefully, yeah. because you've got some books on the way, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so tell me about uh, Anarchist Studies Journal. How often does that come out and what, what sort of things does it cover? Two print issues a year. You can also get a digital version of it uh, via subscription. Um, it's published by Lawrence and Wishart, or Visert. I don't know, I'm not sure how you say it. No, no, I've actually had to say it out loud. Um, they, they're most famous for publishing the collected works of Marx and Engels. That's where their yep. publishing history comes from. Yep. But they also do a small selection of journals, academic journals, and Anarchist Studies is one of them. Uh, it's been in print now for almost 30 years. Um, most of that recent period, it's been based at Loughborough University. Mm -hmm. uh, Ruth Kinna and Matthew Adams are the current editors. Um, and yeah, two, two issues a year, a wide range of topics really. Obviously there's a focus on anarchism. Um, most contributions are written with a, a readership in mind with an assumed an assumption that the reader will understand some of the basics about anarchism. Yeah, so sure. it's not like uh, a lot of times when you publish elsewhere you have to spend a large part of your writing justifying or excusing your interest in anarchism <laughs> mm -hmm. and having to position yourself like that. So with anarchist studies, there's a bit more freedom to just get stuck into the actual interest and stuff instead of convincing people of, the, of your basic <laughs> ideas to start with. Yeah, but it all sounds very, I mean, obviously very academic and uh, mm. I can sense my own eyes glazing over. Yes. Uh, I can sense other people's as well. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, where does, where does the blog fit in it? It feels like the blog kind of needs a mention here. Yeah, well, it's, you're asking at a, a good moment. We did um, uh, an anti-university workshop yesterday mm. with anarchiststudies.blog. Um, and that's all part of the book fair as well, isn't it? That's right, yeah, it's all, it's all been connected events. We held it at the May Day Rooms around on Fleet oh, yeah. Street. Mm -hmm. It's a really cool space. It is. Um, and 
Yeah, as I mentioned, there are a couple of anarchist PhDs have started at Ulster University, and now they've come on to kind of help edit the the blog with me because it was kind of a one one person show for a long time, um, and we had to. Yeah, we had to figure out what we were going to say in this workshop, and obviously we had to introduce what anarchiststudies.blog was. So uh, Cassidy, one of the new editors on the blog, asked me, um, "What is it then?" And I, I didn't have a clear answer. Mm. I was able, I was able to tell them that it, it's been going since January 2018. That we've done 65 articles. I was able to mention what some of those articles are, but uh, beyond that, I found it quite hard to define it. So um, we have actually been thinking about it, but it sits off the side of the journal, uh, but it's different in terms of tone type of article, style, length, it's shorter. Um, there's less of a need as with academic journals to situate your thinking within the literature. So you can just, it's, it's a, as much as Anarchist Studies is better than some other journals, the blog is even more about getting straight into it. Um, and we host, we've hosted all kinds of different things. There's been photo essays, there's been polemical arguments between old professors, there's been stuff about squatting, there have been interviews, um, whole, whole range of things. Anything about kind of anarchist critiques of things that are happening in, in life or things, or, or offshoots of little bits of academia. Um, what we had recently was a discussion of the, uh, the flag that everyone attributes to Nestor Magno, with the skull and crossbones and the quite long slogan on it, and um, Sean Patterson, a historian had discovered that this actually wasn't this flag wasn't to do with Magno at all, um, and this this would have been something for Sean that would have been an overlong footnote. But when you take it out of that context, it was actually uh, a really interesting standalone read, and he was able to position it, you know, within the current um, invasion of Ukraine and, and highlight that uh, some of the Ukrainian soldiers are actually wearing patches on their uh, uniforms with yeah. this supposed Magno flag, but it's not Magno. But actually, it doesn't matter because the message is still powerful. So. That's the kind of stuff that's in there. Um, so a wide range of stuff. And uh, I, I, when I look at the blog, I, I get the sense that it's writing is more accessible than the journal. Is that, is that a fair way of describing it? Or is that, is that just my simplistic way of looking at reading? I think I've got 10 minutes. <laughs> do I want to plough through a journal article or yeah. do I actually just want to read a blog post? Yeah, I mean, part of it is just that shorter length probably makes it more accessible. There's less uh, investment of your time. Mm. Um, but in terms of yeah, the language, it's less jargon-laden. I mean, there's, there are still critical ideas in there. It's, um, I mean, it's distinct from uh, journalism or a, or a kind of personal yeah. blog entry because there is the space or the expectation that there will be some kind of critical analysis of an issue in there. So yeah. it might start from personal reflection. Lots of our um, articles have done, but it expands out from there um, to be something. So we're kind of taking some of those good parts of academia, maybe in terms of rigour and critique, but yeah. hopefully in a much more accessible style. Um, yeah. And the workshop yesterday was quite focused on helping potential authors overcome barriers to partic participation. And we had some interesting ideas come back from people involved in that about uh, maybe also putting our articles up as um, audio files, things like that. Oh, so cool, yeah. we're, we're going to look at maybe but it's kind of stepping on Anarchist Essays' toes a bit, but yeah. hopefully we can distinguish it from that. There, there's some really good podcasts out there, aren't there? <laughs> uh, fewer and fewer every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think you've described yourself as a punk. That's, that's fair, isn't it? Fair you, enough, you're yeah. A punk? I'm a punk, yeah. That's, that's... You, you, I mean, you're active musically. Yeah, still playing in a band, doing stuff we recorded recently, but 
Um, still keep my hand in, it's my only excuse for social life. So <laughs> if, I, if I didn't have that, yes. I would have nothing. So, uh, <laughs> so how, how does, uh, so, sorry, talk to me about the series of books ah, yeah. that you're working on with regards to film, because obviously you really care about that as well. I'm yeah. not saying you don't care about the anarchist study stuff, but obviously like punk is a real part of your life. So mm. I imagine the books are really important. Yeah, well the books kind of came out of the uh, Anarchist Studies Network conference that took place two years ago. We did a series of punk panels, I think we had yeah. three, and um, kind of just said, well, yeah, this, this looks like the, the, the content of a book. You know, if we've got nine interesting talks here, which can be developed into chapters, mm. all right, we'll just do a call to get a few more chapters on. It'll be 15 chapter book. Lovely, that'll be nice. Um, but we put out a call for chapters and we got uh, more than but more than 90 authors sent us abstracts so huge, huge and we were like whoa, whoa wow and they were from all over the world um, East Asia Australia loads from Latin America all across Europe Africa Middle East you name it um, some, some, some aspect of some scene or some relationship between anarchism and punk in a particular context was there so we were st- stuck with the choice of um turning down potentially 80 people and saying no sorry and having to think about how we were going to select from these things and what were the criteria going to be or just expand the project so we expanded it uh, it's going to be a three book series I think the first one is due very 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 soon the typesetting is just completed and now final proofs are going so it should be published imminently and that's with uh, Active Distribution who are now based in Croatia that's where uh, John is doing his stuff from so and then we'll follow that pretty soon I think next year book two should be ready at some point and then probably book three maybe the end of next year or early 2024 so it should be quite a quick series but that probably won't go that smoothly and this is going to cover so this is going to cover a really large uh, musical scene but also internationally and indeed like across the whole world yeah I mean it's it's not it's not it is about the overlaps between anarchism and punk and that's yep. so it's not just uh, loads of stuff I mean the, the punk scholars network have published loads of brilliant books about punk uh, widespread all, all kinds of different contexts and some of that has uh, touched on anarchism as well inevitably but there's um, I mean I've, I've been doing it for a while this kind of punk studies anarchist studies overlap mm. but there are a lot of people who are totally dismissive of that relationship, the relationship with anarchism punk, or yeah. they recognise it but they take it for granted and don't look any further into it. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, that's a thing. But they're not conscious of the subtleties of it and the differences and what an anarchist punk scene looks like in uh, communist Eastern Europe or contemporary Cuba or Venezuela. Uh, when you're smashing the system in that context, it's actually very different. Yeah. And the different forms of repression are there that, are, that exist for punks because of their politics or because of their contraventions of local religious customs or whatever it might be are all quite different but they all um, I think over the course of all those chapters there is some kind of a, a commonality um, that you kind of recognise and, and I think it's in the, the title of the first book we just call it Smash the System so <laughs> it's that, that kind of confrontational fuck you to the system whatever that system happens to be whatever set of oppressions happens to be stamping on your throat it's it's uh, Reactive without being reactionary, is that a thing? I don't know. 
<laughs> now we've got the F word in the podcast. Oh, is that allowed? Uh, oh. It is. Oh. Does that mean I need to change the, the settings? Uh, I, think I think one or two is okay. It's really is it? Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> sorry, Better sorry. I'll try not to censor you. <laughs> oh, I'll try to censor myself then. <laughs> coming, coming back to uh, anarchist studies and why you're here today, what, what kind of opportunities does the, the book fair um, present and why, why did anarchist studies as a, as a group um, decide to um, come down here? Um, that's a chance to talk about what the journal does and what the blog does and obviously the anti-university stuff was going on and being able to do a workshop was really, um, I think, a deepening of that kind of opportunity to talk about it and I think we, on the blog side, anyway, have come to a new understanding of what it is we're actually doing and what we could be doing. Um, but I mean, I mean, it's a great chance to come and see a lot of people I haven't seen for... yeah. Five years or more, you know, it's been... Um, but is it more than that? Or is it just Is that? it more than that? Thanks. I've just, got, I've just been handed a, a flower for a punk gig, listeners, which... Uh, Why did he hand ne- it to you? Neither, <laughs> neither of your hosts were offered a flyer, but <laughs> yeah. I... <was. laughs> maybe, maybe you looked the part. I, I, look, I looked the part. Um, but what's um, the reception been like? Because, you know... Um, a lot of anarchists have a resistance to the academy and academia, so... Yeah. Uh, I, do, I do remember the first anarchist book fair I came to in about 2012, maybe? Yeah, it must have been. And I was sitting beside Ruth on the table and this fellow, his comrade, came up and started giving us hell because we were sitting behind a stack of anarchist studies journal, like, oh, intellectual, blah, 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 and then swear words and stuff. Um... I was glad Ruth was there. She, she didn't take any prisoners, and <laughs> she told him what for. That was very good. But uh, yeah, I mean that that uh, resistance is very real, even in a book fair where you think people right. might be a bit more open to you know reading and yeah. big big thinky stuff, you know. <laughs> but um, I, I think I think in terms of uh, the research that goes into anarchist studies is very often by anarchist activists right. themselves. Yeah. Um, so I think in, in the best instances, it's uh, not research from above, it's research from within, and it's um, a space for anarchists, whether, whether it's activists or not, to um, critically self-assess the movement. I mean, this is something that goes on anyway in people's ordinary conversations and activist things that are, are in no way academic. But there's something about, you know, I mentioned earlier about rigour and critique, and there's something about being able to take that critical space to take an issue that we're all talking about and really look at it instead of just having a big blazing argument about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can still come back to the argument, but you've had a chance to go away and actually do the research. So um, for me, that's that's what it's about. You know, engaging in the academy is a huge compromise in terms of all the hierarchies that exist there and the hierarchization of knowledge, but the opportunity to actually do meaningful research and then have that contribute to activism and anarchism's own conception of itself, I think is very worthwhile yeah I agree yeah because like sometimes when I do talks it's always the question always comes up that you know you're in the academy you're in this privileged position it's like and it's weird for us because being an academic becomes our entire identity and you're like hang on a minute like actually I do a lot of stuff in the movement as well I organize as well like you know being an academic doesn't make me any less of an anarchist than when I used to work on boats, you know, mm. and it's like, mm. I, I, I mean, that's kind of lost, I think. Well, I mean, uh, you, Jim, you've got an academic job, but me and Shane do not have academic oh, jobs, yeah, but 
we're still perhaps perceived as being part mm. of this great uh, hierarchy. I don't, I don't feel as if I've got a great deal of power over people. No, and it's, I mean, I don't know how much to say without losing my job, you know, but I mean, the, I think... Well, be careful. There, there's, a, there's a certain opportunity to subvert the academic structures there, or, I mean, there's a lot of money in academia, and if you can um, use some of those resources to benefit comrades yeah. in whatever regard, then there's a compromise there to be made, but it's, it's an informed compromise. Um, and that includes bringing people on for funded PhD studentships or doing uh, research co-production with activists and being able to actually go out as part of your research methodology to say, like, mm. what, what, what can I do that's of use? I've got this privileged position in terms of time. I can put resources towards this. What would help? And I think that's what a lot of researchers now, well, across all kinds of indigenous and participatory uh, backgrounds as well, but definitely in the anarchist movement, in anarchist studies, there's much more of that kind of um, sense of research as a contribution to the wider movement. Yeah, do research with people rather than on them. Exactly, or at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. or, or even for them, you know. I mean, yeah. th- there's a, a tradition of, uh, especially with NGOs, they will go enter into a relationship with academic researchers because they want them to do research for them or give their uh, piece of work or whatever they're doing, the, the legitimacy of a university. So it's quite a transactional relationship, mm. which is maybe better than having research done on you or at you, but doing research for you is quite uh, mercenary, and I, I don't think that's what uh, what it is in terms of anarchism. So. Coming back to the, the book fair itself, so obviously you get the occasional negative comment, but on the whole, what you're seeing here is people are representing an academic journal, but they're actually, it's talking to real people, isn't it? It's talking to real people and other groups. Yeah. And some, there's a benefit to that. We've had some great chats with people already, and maybe uh, people will be inspired or, or um, encouraged to contribute something, whether it's to the blog or to the journal, or to go away and read it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's the relationships between different outlets and so on. It's, it's nice to nosy about and see what people are doing. And, I picked up a lot of books that I didn't even know existed, so I mean, that, yeah. that, uh, who knows what that will uh, enrich in my research later on, although most of it was sci-fi, so it's probably not that relevant, but I mean, I could do research in sci-fi too, yeah, <laughs> Ru- ruin that for myself as well. Why not? <laughs> I, I feel compelled to mention the, the words Doctor and Who here, uh-huh. uh, but I, I'll try not to. Uh, okay, thank you very much, Jim. You're very uh, welcome. Nice to talk to you. So we're here in the Bishopsgate Institute and we've got Rob who put together the printed edition of Freedom that's uh, been given out for free, I think, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's, so uh, we switched to a free edition uh, after we stopped the monthly edition, essentially, because we work on the principle that selling is much, much harder than it used to be and it's also something which has fallen out of fashion to a great degree. So sort of if you talk about the uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, you would be able to, you, at most protests, you would have people who would have an armful of papers and be selling them um, to protesters and it's it's just something that we don't see a lot of anymore so it's much yeah. more okay if we're going to print something we want to make sure that it actually gets out mm. um, so we switched to a, to a freebie on that on that basis and it's great to have still a, a printed edition that people can hold in their hands of freedom isn't it yeah I, I'm, I'm very much I've been an advocate for a long time uh, of you can if you're looking for a thing on the internet, you can find it. 
um, but coming across a thing on the internet is much, much harder. Um, and certainly if you're trying to promote something to people, you're having to do so through an enormous amount of uh, chatter and chaff um, put out by absolutely everybody else. Um, and handing out papers is something where actually you can just do it on the tube or on the streets and people will just pick it up and, and start reading it if it's, if it's good enough. Yeah. So what was the approach? Because normally it's kind of current affairs and everything. And if this is a special issue, was there kind of like an emphasis? Or yeah, so, so we, we used to do the paper. At one point we were doing it fortnightly, which was completely unsustainable. But we have now dropped down to biannual. Um, and because we print it on a biannual basis, the uh, focus is more on sort of summarizing the prior six months and looking into the next six months um, and talking about kind of... Uh, more in-depth takes on sort of issues which affect anarchists and which people might want to think about. So more kind of uh, kind of like a hybrid between a paper and a journal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We, we we label it a journal, okay. even though it's a free paper, right. for that very reason. Right. And what have we got in the latest edition then? Um, well, the the headliner, the celebrity turn is Ian Bone, uh, latterly known as Britain's most dangerous mm. dangerous man, um, who is talking about his. Uh, participation in the poll tax riots um, uh -huh. and specifically about the so he used to live in Hackney um, around that time and he's talking about um, sort of the quite strong um, anarchist contingent in Hackney there was a huge squatted um, uh, community around there at the time a lot of very angry working-class people and he sort of talks about the uh, the differences in, in attitude that were in, in Hackney at the time. So Hackney was much less interested, for example, in the longer term don't pay aspect of, of the poll tax and much more interested in like, can we riot now, essentially. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, that, that's kind of the, the lead one, I suppose. Um, there's some really good stuff. So the Common House, which used to exist on Bethnal Green and, was re and shut down last year, I think, there's a really good analysis of kind of social setting up the setting up of and running of and kind of the politics around uh, social centres and kind of how they function yeah um, very good analysis piece um, there's a couple of history pieces uh, there's a good piece on the ASS a love letter to the ASS in fact, that's the advisory service for squatters um, and uh, yeah a couple of and, and stuff on strikes and mutual aid and that's that's kind of the general theme of the theme of the paper yeah. and what is it like to put that together and, and get it printed because if you're not doing it regularly that's that it sounds like a, an undertaking that does it can be a bit hit and miss like it really depends um we have a small team who work on both the uh, daily newswire which is the freedom news uh newswire yeah um and some of them will then kind of also help out writing articles including yourself yeah. yep. for um for the paper as well uh i tend to kind of go off and do the copy editing and kind of getting it all in order and putting it in the paper mm. because that's kind of my my day job is, is doing that as well so that's fine um and then it'll get sort of read over by another collective member mm. um, before it goes out we're very very fortunate actually that uh, Allgate press who are uh a long running since 1980 to say one or two something like that it was when they first set up they've been the printer of freedom press and many many other radical papers in fact we're being in bishopsgate um one of the uh 
leading Allgate Press people, who's been around for donkey's years, um, was saying that he was looking at their archive of Freedom Press stuff and having it explained to him, and he was saying, oh, we printed that, yeah, we printed that as well. Um, so it's, it, it, it's a nice thing, like it's um, Allgate uh, have been kind of the radical printer for Freedom for, you know, for 40 years, I guess. Um, so, that, and, and they, they're great, like we, we go right up to the edge of deadline because again like we've got a lot to do in, in the run up to a book fair um, and all gate always are like yeah yeah we can do it in like a week it's fine <laughs> that kind of leads on to what I wanted to ask because uh, you know freedom is you know in British anarchism you know it's kind of it's an institution you know and it's kind of for me synonymous almost when I'm looking at the history of anarchism in Britain it's always like what was, what was said in freedom at the time so um you know, how, how is it still received today with like younger anarchists and the movement's kind of, you know, always evolving and everything and where's freedom's place in that, do you think? Uh, I never want to say really. I mean, so, so I would say that we have managed to uh, sort ourselves out a bit. Like there was a long period. So, so as a general background, um, the whole place used to be run by a guy called uh, Vera Richards. And when he died, um, in 2001, there was an immediate crisis, uh, and it, freedom had been in decline for a long time prior to this as well. And it was partly because it had fallen out of touch with the technology of the time. So it had been supplanted to a great degree by Schnews and then Indie Media, um, and it wasn't really keeping up with the protests at the time and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we went through multiple crises after that, and it was only after really 2017 when we managed to get ourselves back on a, on a relatively even key to a degree. So we're now sort of relatively financially self-sustaining. We have a bookshop which people can come to and might actually meet uh, each other and, and sort of, you know, browse and properly actually interact. Um, and that's meant that we have had more people. So we have a volunteer group and that has skewed considerably younger than a lot of the, um, you know, long-time members such as myself. Um, and that's, that's actually been very, very good in terms of, you know, having us interact with the younger parts of the movement. Um, I think we're still regarded as a slightly older end. And that's, I think that's partly because we, we just are, like, you know, because any, any institution which has been around since, uh, well, we bought the building in 1968, but freedom of different types has been around since 1886. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, to take an example, George Barrett, who was around in the 19, uh, 1900s, uh, was the youth at the time and he was offered basically to take over the editorial role and he said at the time look I think freedom's been around a bit too much it's got a bit too much history you know people are a bit too attached to it who are older and all this kind of stuff so I'm going to go off and do my own thing um, and we're now 114 years odd on from that so so you know that's that's just kind of something that tends to follow us around is being an older institution that's fine um, we've kind of started we're, we're sort of in a better position now than we used to be i think in terms of like we've got a website we've got um as i say volunteers who are a bit younger we've got sort of you know we've we're better known around the way than, than we used to again so I, i'm generally quite optimistic about how things are going in that in that sense yeah um yeah i think it's great i mean as i was saying to john earlier like uh Spent a lot of time in North America, and I always see a Freedom paper and all the radical bookshops over there, and everything. and it's great. And like being in the Freedom building, you know, that's where I got my early political education. Going to the meetings up there, it's uh, 
it's a special institution, I think, and uh, it's it's really helped you know sustain the memory of anarchism in in, in the UK. It's uh, yeah, it's great. Right? Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's 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 definitely one where. One of the things that the anarchist movement lacks uh, in a really, you know, pretty pretty dire way is long-term um, infrastructure. Yeah. London's got a relatively high amount of infrastructure in terms of if you're anarchist inclined. You know, it's got Housemans as a, um, as a as a big bookshop with with kind of facilities and all this kind of stuff. It's got Lark uh, on Fieldgate Street. It's got it's got us, um, and there's a couple of co-ops around the way as well. Um, but even so, it's, it's sort of, you know, these are relatively small buildings, they're a relative rarity, you have to travel to get to them all of the time. Um, and it's just, places like Freedom are rare enough that it's, you know, the, regardless of what else happens, happens to be going on in the movement, whether everybody's arguing or whatever, it's sort of, okay, that still needs to keep existing, because yeah. when all these arguments are over, we're still going yeah. to need to carry on and do all this other stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that obviously two printed editions a year is the is the kind of aim, and obviously one of them is timed for right now at the, to, to be launched at the book fair. So that kind of connects cool the printing of Freedom News to the book fair. So what does the book fair mean to Freedom? Uh, well, so Freedom Freedom has uh, for a long time had. Um, you know, it's been one of the major storeholders pretty much since the start, start of the thing. Um, for a long time, actually, when we were uh, a bit more, uh, a bit less financially on it, um, the book fair was essentially one of our major incomes. Um, you know, it helped sustain us um, on, on spending year on year. Um, it's, I, I mean, I, on a, I think most people who have been around Freedom for any length of time uh, end up feeling that the book fair is pretty special in as much as, you know, it's where we meet, it's where we see people who we haven't seen for years. Like, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen you for quite some time, actually, particularly because of the pandemic. But, like, yep. you know, there's there's loads of people, like uh, we were talking about the um, Cunningham, Cunningham Amendment, and mm. hadn't seen seen for years. Um, and, you, yeah, like you wander around, and yeah. once you become a bit more of an old-timer, it's like, oh, actually, yeah. Um, we have a we have a movement. We have a scene of people who we can actually interact with. Uh, in, indeed, hello. Hello. <laughs> um, uh, we're just doing a bit of a we, we interview thing. Um, oh, you did. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I might but, yeah, that bit in. Good, 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 good example. Um, but yeah, like the the, the book fair um, when it shut down when when the original book fair shut down in 2017, there was definitely a huge loss in terms of having that. Like it's one of the it's one of those few senses of continuity you get. Mm. Um, like you know, again, it's it's part of that infrastructure. I think in the same way that freedom is that you know you can come you can come to the book fair ten years down the line, um, and you see people who yeah. you know have been plugging away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't see them in any. Other I think the last time we met actually was at the last book fair. Yeah. Funnily enough. <laughs> so there we go. Um, and I have one final question, unless you've got anything no, in shame. Um, ju- I'm just interested in the fact that we, we're in the Bishopsgate Institute. They've got an archive. There are copies of Freedom from 1892 on display. It just feels quite nice to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a link here, I think. There, there is. So, so, Bishop's, so, so Freedom had uh, two major archive uh, um, donations or, or 
whatnot. One one of which was to the International Institute in Amsterdam. Oh yeah. Um, which uh, that that all goes that goes way back. That was when um, what's his face Max. Yeah. Nelly. Hmm? Nelly. Yes. Nelly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he donated vast tracts of, do mm. of, of documentation to them, and we also then add we, we brought that up to up to date uh, in the early two thousands, I think, with a, with a big donation of all our old papers and all this kind of stuff. But we also wanted one that was closer to home, and again, because we were going through various crises at the time, we felt that it made more sense for it to be kept by a proper institution that would look after it rather than just kind of mouldering away in one of our upstairs rooms. Um, so we gave Bishopsgate basically our entire archive, which was at the time fairly extensive, filled the entire what is now the ASS um, office. Um, and they then bound, and a proof a proof of concept, uh, they then bound uh, single issues going from 19, from, from, Spain and the world up to date. They gave us bound and boxed copies, properly archived ones for our own use. Um, those then nearly burnt to a crisp in, during the arson attack of 2013. Mm -hmm. And if we hadn't given oh, yeah. the previous ones to, to, to Bishopsgate, then wow. various of them, you know, we've, we've still got damaged copies of Freedom. We've managed to replace some and, mm. you know, re, rework it a bit. But like the undamaged copies are now all at Bishopsgate. Um, and it's great because you know they're only down the road. Yeah. Um, they have been fantastic to us, generally speaking. Like when I so so, I uh, was the author of a beautiful idea, which is the, oh, yeah. um, the official history of freedom, and was able to literally just walk down the road and I had all of the old war commentaries from the 1940s during the Second World War, all of the Spain and the world stuff they, they kept and I was able to just flick through it in the course of research um, and all of the people who kind of then go to Freedom and ask about, uh, ask you know, do your archives still exist? We can say well actually you can just go to Bishopsgate and they're all there and they have very enthusiastic people who know what they're talking about yeah. who can kind of guide you through. Brilliant. So we're lucky to have a brand new edition of Freedom. Uh, how do people get hold of it? Uh, right, so we uh, obviously we've been handing them out hand over fist at the book fair itself, mm. um, but also uh, they are always available at the shop um, in Angel Alley in, in uh, Whitechapel. Um, we also do, uh, we, we give uh, bundles right, to um, various sort of radical bookshops around around the way like Houseman's and Houston Nowhere, um, Five Leaves and all that. Uh, and we also do Online, if you go to the Freedom Shop, uh, freedompress.org.uk, um, we do free with postage, essentially. Brilliant. Fantastic. Okay, thank you for talking to us. Oh, yeah, thank you. So that wraps up our snapshot from the 2022 London Anarchist Book Fair. We'd like to uh, thank those that took the time to uh, to talk to us and uh, and to you for listening to the end uh, of this special episode. Uh, like always, if you um, have any comments or want to get in touch with us, have any questions, you can reach us at a little bigger anarchism at gmail.com. And until the next episode, that's bye from me and John. <laughs>